From VT Digger, this is The Deeper Dig. I'm Riley Robinson. This week, a look at Vermont sheriff's departments. During recent routine audits, multiple departments were flagged for unusual financial activity. Two sheriffs faced criminal charges. One of them recently stepped down, and the other was just sworn in. And now, state lawmakers are considering a constitutional amendment as a way to create more oversight of county sheriffs. I talked to my colleague Tiffany Tan, who covers Southern Vermont for VT Digger. Before that, she covered policing and criminal justice in Bennington County. So, Tiffany, tell me about how you started looking into the former Bennington Sheriff, Chad Schmidt. I started reporting um, in Bennington County for the Bennington Banner in 2018. And I noticed that after I'd met all of the local law enforcement leaders, the Sheriff Chad Schmidt was the only one that I had not seen in town or at public events or gotten an email from or a statement directly from him. And so I just really wanted to meet him. It was always me chasing him. And I made this effort over a five-month period of continually asking to meet him, but never succeeded. I went to, to his office several times. I think this was in 2021 when people were able to move about more freely during the first years of the pandemic. I stopped there a few times to get some paperwork, and I always looked for him. And even whenever whenever I called for some other business, I would always make it a point to look for him. And um, they always said I just missed him. How did you know to go looking in Tennessee specifically? Well, that was through um, local sources that I had. So I followed up on these tips that I received. The state government of Tennessee has a website where you can check out land records by person's name. And so when I went there, I found um, two pieces of property that was listed under the name of Sheriff Chad Schmidt and his wife. Tiffany worked on the story for months before it published last year. What she found raised questions as to whether the sheriff still lived in Vermont. Schmidt and his wife had not only bought properties in Tennessee, but had also dissolved their businesses in Vermont. Tiffany kept investigating and requesting public records through 2022 and into this year. I asked for public records to show when he was working. For instance, I asked for a copy of his official calendar for 2022 to show when he was meeting with people or when he was doing his duties around town or meeting with the public, because I just thought that as a public official, as a law enforcement leader, you do need to interact with locals, other officials, people in the community. I mean, it's just expected. That's the nature of the job. You're a public servant, so you interact with the public. So I just asked for public records. And for records from 2020, 2021, 2022. At one point, I said to him, anything you have, anything, just show me that, you know, show me when you were in Bennington, because that was the big point of contention. And he said, I'm here, I'm working, but I don't have public records to give you. I don't keep track of my meetings. I don't write them down. I meet with people, 
they're not always official meetings, but I, you know, people see me around town. And so he offered to me his personal records. One was um, the billing statement for his toll road activity in New York State, because he said that to get in and out of Bennington to Tennessee, he goes through um, an interstate in the Albany, New York area. And so he showed me 21 months worth of billing statements. He basically broke down the in and out based on the toll road activity, writing the dates down and then doing like adding up the days he was in Vermont and adding up the days he was in Tennessee. Okay. And so that he came for the year 2022, he had about about 100, a little over 100 days in Tennessee. So that was like a third of the year. Schmidt's term as sheriff ended this month, and a new sheriff took over in Bennington County. And that might have been the end of the story. But over the past year, there have been several other incidents at sheriff's departments across the state. Four of my colleagues have been reporting on events at five sheriff's departments. I asked them to recap the reporting. Well, the Addison County Sheriff Peter Newton, he had been under investigation for a reported domestic disturbance at his home in February. This is Alan Keyes. He's been covering criminal justice in Vermont for about 15 years. When we reported that state police were investigating him for that domestic disturbance in Middlebury, the day after or shortly thereafter, he posted a rambling video on his Facebook page. I guess it was posted to YouTube as well. Hi, Sheriff Newton here. Um, bear with me through this. It's gonna, it's gonna be a few minutes, but I got a lot I wanna say. And in that video, he said he wouldn't be seeking re-election to another term. He also, in the video, spoke of past relationships and affairs he said he had had, and he identified people by name. He also talked about the toll the past relationships and his time spent working in law enforcement have had on his mental health. I was struggling. I was uh, struggling with PTSD. I was having nightmares constantly. He ended up getting arrested by Vermont State Police in June. And uh, the charges against him were two counts of sexual assault, a count of domestic violence, and one count of unlawful restraint at that time. He has pleaded not guilty to the charges against him. This is Ethan Weinstein, who covers the southeast part of the state. He's been reporting on the Orange County Sheriff's Office. So the former sheriff, Bill Boniak, he received a reprimand from the Criminal Justice Council because um, back in 2020, he allowed an unqualified deputy to investigate some serious crimes, including um, sex crimes against children. Um, And he he reached a settlement with the Criminal Justice Council. He's said he's going to do a little um, training, uh, and he just received a, a written reprimand. Did he run for office again? Yes, he lost in November. Um, He lost by about 100 votes. He asked for a recount. It confirmed the original results. Bonyak had lost to a part-time deputy in the department named George Contoys. And according to Contoys, Bonyak wasn't too helpful with the transition. And so in December, Contoys sends an email to the entire staff, and he says, basically, I'm in charge now. Even though he's not sworn in until February 1st, He said he's taking control of the department effective that day in December. That little move didn't go over too well with Bonyak, who suspended Contoys' company email. 
only for a couple days, but at that point, Contois uh, left for Arizona, agreed not to have contact with the staff. And so in those intervening months, 17 of the department's 21 deputies resigned or left the department, and all of the department's administrative staff left. So when Contois took over, just uh, you know, February 1st, he's left with four deputies, no administrators, when the last audit was done with the Caledonia County Sheriff's Department, the auditors, this is a private firm that the state contracts to do the audit for all the sheriff's department around the state. And so when they did their recent audit for Caledonia, which was in 2022, they found through the course of this audit that the sheriff gave himself and his entire department which was a total of 16 people, including the sheriff. He gave bonuses, which ranged from like $1,300 to about $41,000. So that was really notable for the auditors because those are huge bonuses. And when they did an analysis of the bonuses, they saw that if you counted in the taxes that people would have to pay for the bonuses, that's actually when you get to the round number, like 10,000, 20,000. The auditors believe that they built that in. So that was another thing to them that was really interesting because that's not really the practice. You don't consider the taxes and say, we're going to take care of your taxes too. Are there rules for sheriffs on how they can give out bonuses to themselves and their staff? Well, that's really one of the most interesting things about this, because outright, the auditor's office said there's no allegation of misconduct here. They didn't do anything against the rules. And the reason was because they didn't have a policy in the first place. In Addison, Bennington, Caledonia, and Orange Counties, these incidents all involved outgoing sheriffs. But in Franklin County, the current sheriff is now facing a criminal charge. This is Sean Robinson. He covers Franklin and Grand Isle counties for VT Digger. So back in August of last year, the Franklin County Sheriff's Office uh, released a couple of streams of body camera footage of a response to an incident in St. Albans Town. One of those showed John Grismore, who at the time uh, was a captain in the department. He was basically the department's number two deputy. Back at the sheriff's office, the video showed him um, kicking a handcuffed man who had been detained there um, multiple times, kind of in the groin area, onto a bench um, where he was being held. Sit down, camera. Sit down. Hot down, camera. I'm here. I caught you on camera. So the video was released in early August, and Grismore was suspended from the department right afterward. Later that month, he was then fired from the department after they did an internal investigation. At that point, um, the state police were also investigating what happened. And then later in the fall, when the results of that state police investigation came out, Grismore was charged criminally with simple assault. Grismore has very adamantly denied that he did anything wrong. We're charged with making split-second decisions. 
So in that in that case where this individual has, you know, failed to receive any kind of de-escalation efforts from the deputies and results to physical violence, we have to meet that force with force. He's essentially argued that he was using an appropriate and adequate amount of force to sort of subdue this man when he was in custody at the department. Mm-hmm. When assaults are happening or we perceive that we're going to be assaulted, we can use force to stop that from happening. And the public doesn't know that. They don't want to know that. Uh, I don't know, but um, that is the reality. And again, this is all before election day. This is in the lead up to election day. So Grismore is still the only candidate on the ballot. So even though Grismore went into election day carrying a criminal charge, he still won pretty handily. So he didn't really face consequences from Vermont voters. So in terms of, you know, did it affect his chances of becoming sheriff? No, he still won with a lot of the vote. um, And he is now the sheriff of Franklin County, you know, as of the beginning of February. He does have a Brady letter issued against him now, though, That's based on statements that he made about the alleged assault. So Vermont state's attorneys um, issue Brady letters, which are also known as Giglio letters, um, to basically flag law enforcement officers with known credibility issues, such as lying or exhibiting bias. The Brady letter uh, from the state's attorney in Franklin County says that statements made by Grismore to investigators and public statements made by him to the media characterized the blows struck to the prisoner as pushes with his foot. So again, this is he's saying pushes with his foot instead of kicks. And it says these statements are at odds with the affidavits of two deputy sheriffs present at the time who characterized the blows as kicks. So again, the state's attorney is really calling into question Grismore's kind of credibility in describing the way that this incident went down. And of course, that's, you know, a fundamental part of their relationship, right, is the prosecutor relying on the credibility of police in in their jurisdiction. So in that case, the sheriff's department here. So late last month, there's yet another kind of development in this story. So every two years under state law, um, sheriff's departments are required to be audited. Um, So the state auditor oversees that process. They generally contract it out to individual auditing firms to do it. Um, So it was a fairly routine audit that this firm was doing of the Franklin County Sheriff's Office. And at some point in that process earlier this year, they found what the state auditor, Doug Hoffer, has described as questionable financial records or questionable finances. The auditor's office hasn't said publicly what those questions are, what those records are necessarily, but it was certainly enough that it raised the eyebrows of the auditing firm and then they, you know, kind of went up the chain to the state auditor. So they're investigating both financial records at the office in general and they're also investigating Grismore specifically. Um, they actually drew that distinction in the state police statement. We're investigating the sheriff's office's finances, and we're also investigating Grismore. I remember when you were writing about Grismore around and after the election in November, there was some chatter with Franklin County lawmakers, and some folks had mentioned the possibility of impeachment. You got some interesting information, and it turns out that impeachment is legal in Vermont, but it's kind of rare. Can you tell me more about what you learned? Yeah, so I think that impeachment has a limited but kind of colorful history in Vermont. 
According to the Secretary of State, there have been four efforts to impeach state officials since 1800. Only one of those actually led to a trial, and interestingly enough, that was a county sheriff. Hey, sidebar here. State-level impeachment is a pretty similar process to a presidential impeachment in Congress. The Vermont House votes to impeach, and the state Senate votes whether or not to convict. Both require a two-thirds vote. So this was 1976. A guy named Malcolm Mayo, or Mike Mayo, who was the sheriff of Washington County, had been accused of basically abusing his office in, in a few different ways. The House ended up bringing three articles of impeachment against Mayo. They claimed, or they alleged, that he had falsified documents and reports, that he had basically ordered deputies not to do their jobs, and maybe most I don't know, interestingly, that he himself had actually assaulted or threatened people at bars in Stowe and Montpelier, so like at local bars in Washington County. So these three articles of impeachment happen in the House, but the Senate actually ends up voting to acquit Mayo. So it sounds like maybe just like a presidential impeachment, (laughs) it is extremely unlikely for anyone to actually be removed from office that way. It is, yeah. And in fact, the last time in Vermont that somebody, that an official was impeached and convicted was 1785. Um, so it's it's been a while. Do you have the story on that? What happened in 1785? Why was, why was that person impeached? I do have some of the story, yeah. So there was this state representative from Arlington named Matthew Lyon. He was impeached for refusing to release records related to the confiscation of people's property from British sympathizers. Some people at the time suspected that Lyon was profiting from the seizure of property. And again, you got to remember this is 1785, right? So British sympathizers are are still a concern <laughs> for, for folks, for sure. Lyon um, actually married the niece of Ethan Allen and helped found the town of Fairhaven. So he's got a fairly you know, prominent place in Vermont history. Um, He's actually probably best remembered, though, as a representative of Vermont in the U.S. House. I'm sorry, I'm just going to question here. So he he was impeached and removed from his office as a state representative in Vermont, and then he went on to be elected to the U.S. House after that? He did, yeah. So he was elected to the U.S. House after that. Um, He served in Congress, um... And he's probably best remembered in in, in history um, for brawling with a Connecticut congressman um, on the floor of the U.S. House. Um, Lyon was actually imprisoned in Vermont at one point. He was imprisoned under the Sedition Act, um, which was passed by the Federalist government at the time. Um, and he actually won re-election to Congress from his jail cell in Vermont. So yeah, pretty pretty colorful life story from Matthew Lyon. Um, and again, that's this is the most recent impeachment and conviction in Vermont. So it's been a while. So the state legislature has not started an impeachment proceeding against Grismore. Senator Randy Brock from Franklin County said lawmakers probably wouldn't consider impeachment before Grismore's criminal charge is resolved. But they have started looking at other ways to increase oversight of county sheriffs. This is Tiffany again. Some senators have sponsored a bill to try to make some changes with... um, 
the way the sheriff's department and the sheriff's function, but it's really very limited because um, because the Vermont Constitution basically has separation of powers. The sheriffs, which are with the executive branch, is separate from the lawmakers. And there's really not much that lawmakers can do right now unless they change the constitution, which is the other thing that they're trying to do. So besides the bill, which sponsors have told me is the way they want to cope with some of the issues they've seen short term, longer term, they want to resolve some of these problems by changing the constitution, for, by adding qualifications for sheriffs, for instance, residency requirements. There's no rule about who can be sheriff? Are there any rules about who can be sheriff in Vermont? This is really interesting because um, according to a constitutional expert that I spoke to and some, some state officials, the constitution does not explicitly require sheriffs and state's attorneys to be residents of the county that where they serve, that elects them local sheriffs are explicitly mentioned in the con- the state constitution as a form of government? Like they're written into the state constitution? Yes, yes, they are. I, the, the back story is that before the Vermont State Police was created, essentially the sheriffs were had a lot of power and that was like the main law enforcement authority that you go to. What do the sheriffs do? Can you tell me like what sheriffs do in Vermont? Most people probably think of them as having lo- their law enforcement responsibilities, which they do. They help enforce traffic and they, you know, they can investigate certain crimes, but a part of it is also just doing civil processes like serving um serving notices, serving court records to people who need to receive them. And of course, um, as part of the setup here in Vermont, a big part of the Sheriff's Department budget comes from the contracts they do with towns, businesses, so they can provide security, or they sometimes, and some towns that don't have their own police, they uh, do patrol work for the towns. A chunk of their a chunk of their budget comes from the county, uh, Bennington Sheriff's Department. For example, the money they get is um, at least three hundred thousand dollars in recent years comes from the county, and that's pu- public funds. And then about a mi- at least a million in recent years, um, they earn that from um, from contracts, and out of that. Um, sheriff's bylaw are allowed to add a 5% to the cost of the contracts that they have so that they can take that 5% for themselves to add to their salaries. The sheriff personally, like not yes. just for their department, but to their own personal paycheck. Yes, that's that's under the law. There's a bill right now in the legislature where some senators are proposing removing that 5% option because they're saying in no other government position, no other do you have that option for that extra money, only the sheriffs. And I guess as can be expected, the Vermont Sheriffs Association 
said that right now they're against the bill part of it so they're saying they're against s17 the way it's written but they agree that reforms are needed and they want to work with legislators to make reforms they're saying and and it's true that some sheriffs have not taken the entire five percent it's up to them to decide what percent they can take the entire five percent home that's their right but some of them have not taken the full amount they send the rest back to their departments and some even just roll in the entire amount back to their departments and their representatives uh you know the department of states attorneys and sheriffs are saying that the money helps fund vehicles training uniforms that that money is going to good use that essentially in the end translates to helping with their public service work. Do you get the read that this is a real priority for lawmakers this year? Yes, I really do. The co-sponsors include the chair of the Senate Government Operations Committee and this chair of the um, Senate Judiciary Committee, as well as the President Pro Tem. So these are very powerful positions. So it already has buy-in essentially from the key committees that would need to support it, or at least from the chairs of those committees. Yeah, that's what I see, that because of the sponsors being really key legislators, that it's moving pretty fast. Thank you again. Thank you for talking with me about this. No problem. Thanks, Riley. Thank you to Tiffany Tan, Alan Keyes, Ethan Weinstein, and Sean Robinson for sharing the reporting here. You can find more of their work at vtdigger.org. This episode used music by Blue Dot Sessions, and you can subscribe wherever you stream podcasts.